There's nothing worth more that will ever come <laughs> or what instinction of what George is talking about um, the Jesus movement you know the late 60s early 70s um, I just I was wondering like how that played a part in the big picture Jesus movement of the USA you know like what was happening in Tucson for people in our church and ex family extended was happening all over the nation. And um, what are the, what are the, is the story that, I mean, because we know, and probably anybody listening to the podcast knows the story of Arizona and, you know, all you guys that kind of came out of that movement and the sustainability that it has today. Um, is that the, did a lot of, do you know of similar stories that happened across the nation? I mean, did that happen in San Francisco? Did that happen in LA? Did that happen in Dallas? Did that happen, you know, like, or was Tucson? And I don't know if you can answer that because, you, you know, you only know what you know and you know Tucson, so, you know, but do you, have you heard of any, you know, other stories outside of Tucson? Yes. <laughs> uh, it was kind of, I think a lot of it, ground zero for it, was kind of the whole Southern California thing. I mean, just to put it in context, there it was, you know, the Vietnam War was at its peak, you know, uh, you know, Watergate and the corruption in government, and uh, there was a lot, you know, the, the whole hippie movement was happening then, you know, the whole, uh, you know, if you're going to San Francisco, be sure to wear some flowers in your hair. You know, it was, it really was, you know, a, a kind of a love movement. I'm not, I'm not even talking about the Jesus movement part of it, just the whole thing, you know, just there was, you know, Woodstock, you know, and there was, you know, bands playing everywhere and everybody was growing their hair long and it was this uh, kind of a rebellious uh, culture, uh, all about, you know, turning on to drugs and tuning in and, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was in the context of all that. And the, the part of it that I am aware of is like in Tucson, there was this park called Himmel Park, which had bands playing on it all the time. And it was the place you went to buy marijuana. Well, right next to that was this little tiny church. And there was this guy that was pastoring there named Chuck Smith. He was pastoring this little, and it was a small church. It was, you know, a church of 50 people or 30 people, you know. And uh, he actually was, uh, it actually was a four-square church. Did you know that? Yeah, I knew Chuck the, Smith the Chuck started Smith a four-square. four-square, yeah. And it was there. And so, you know, some people started getting saved. and. You know, I don't know exactly why, but for some reason Chuck Smith moved over to, you know, Santa Ana, California, and they started meeting in a tent, and there was a lot of bands, a lot of guys were getting saved. Like I was playing in bars and stuff in a local band and got saved and went straight into, you know, one week I was playing in a bar, the next week I was practicing in a Christian band to play concerts to win people for Jesus. It was this whole cultural thing. 
And I've heard later that, uh, you know, guys uh, on the East Coast and the Northeast, you know, New York City and uh, Washington, D.C., I've talked to a lot of guys that were getting saved up there also. Is in, it, The movement really became nationwide but in my mind, the epicenter of it, the ground zero, was kind of around Calvary Chapel, which was started by Chuck Smith in California. And mostly because so many of the bands, there was such a dense population of people there that were getting saved, and exponentially, because it was an, a genuine move of God, exponentially people were getting saved like crazy. And so they were sending these bands out on the road, which would typically have you know, you'd go down and you'd play a concert and you'd sing all these songs. That it was, you know, it was classic rock is what it was, but they had Jesus' words to them. And then either a guy in the band or they'd bring along a guy who was kind of a good preacher and he would give a message and then have a, you know, a altar call and invite people to come accept Jesus. And it was happening everywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. It was just happening everywhere. So that's, that's a long story, even though my, you know, my paradigm is, you know, Tucson, Arizona, we were also aware because Elizabeth actually had moved to Santa Ana, California and was involved with the thing that was going on there, you know, so I've heard her talk about it as well in California and then of course when we got married we spent a lot of time going back and forth and we were out there and going to concerts and, you know, that whole thing. It wasn't till later and it was before we had the internet, you know, it was before we had Facebook, it was before we had cell phones. You know, it was, there was really no way to connect with people other than the, the Time Magazine article that came out about the Jesus movement. You know, that was one of the things that kind of heralded, wow, something real is happening here. They had these papers out of Hollywood, the Jesus Free Press, or I forget what they called it, but, you know, uh, Cornerstone in uh, Chicago, outside of Chicago, Illinois, you know, they started kind of a move. There was all these little epicenters, all these little places where things were happening. And it usually had to do with long hair, hippie types, and rock and roll music and bands, and uh, preaching the gospel. It was really kind of simple. And it wasn't until much later in life when uh, I began interfacing with people in different parts of the country that were Christians and it, mostly like when I was working uh, in the music industry and so I had connections with people and I found out other people were Christians and I heard their story and found out that they had also been saved during this Jesus movement even though they lived in you know Pennsylvania or New York City or Baltimore Maryland or mm -hmm. you know or Florida you know uh, well and I, I know not from first-hand experience but just from listening that the elements of it spread to at least as far as Great Britain as well because that's that's where I know bands like, or mu music like, um, oh, my mind just totally went blank. What's his, the curly, Keith Green, curly-haired guy, Keith Green. Keith Green was hugely in influential in, in the United Kingdom, very popular, and preachers like Catherine Kuhlman, I know, had a huge impact in, in the United Kingdom. And I think there's even one movement or denomination, um, as well as, some of the Pentecostal denominations, there was a house church movement that started because, am I right in saying, James, that some of the, the uh, Jesus freaks, the Jesus people, they were sort of anti-established church and so they went to a sort of simplistic um, house church style format in yeah, some, some ways. 
Especially what I've read is in Great Britain, especially there was a whole house church yeah. movement. Yeah, and the house church still persists as a, as a formal movement, a formal denomination now in England, and is quite successful to where they might still call themselves house church, but they now have occupied places of worship because their congregations are too large for a single house. Yeah, yeah. So, Just in doing research um, over Jesus' movement and what it was, <coughs> I really think it, I mean, being kind of, I really think the way church is now is a huge product of what happened in the Jesus movement. Um, Jesus movement is synonymous with Christian music, contemporary Christian music. Um, I'm just telling you like what I've, out of the research I've done, I've kind of put these things, these bullet points together is that it was a huge, <coughs> music was a huge influence on the Jesus movement. Um, and as far as I could guess and know, and from what I looked at, before the Jesus movement, music wasn't done like that. I mean, you or didn't like have it is. guitars and bands. And it was, you know what the standard was back then? The standard back then <laughs> was a on piano one on one side of the stage <laughs> and an organ on the other side of the stage. And a couple ladies sitting there playing them and you sang hymns. But the singing of choruses, where they would take just the chorus from a song and then those turned into these anthems, these ballads, the, mm. these, you know, because they could be easily played on guitars and basses and drums and there were all these little rock bands and you know it stands to reason that the baby boomers you know getting saved in their late teens and early 20s and stuff now that they've grown up they've carried that tradition with them yeah yeah and so i mean i'm familiar with the organ on one side the piano on the other um it's not i wouldn't say it's the most popular today um there's still a lot of churches that but it exists yeah, Does it really? very much so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there still, still exists. A huge imagine. number of churches that still operate that way. And because um, that was the, when I went to that Baptist church in California, huge church, biggest church I've ever been to, um, they had an organ on one side and a piano on the other. And then I, they had a new pastor come in. And I was best friends with the old pastor's son. Like me and him were for like three houses down each other we grew up together and so I knew that whole church just from going to their youth group as a kid and whatnot and I came back after the military there's still waiting organ on one side and, and piano on the other and I really honestly like I really enjoyed it I did yeah. like I wouldn't even I'm not gonna lie like it was something like different compared because I was grow, grew up in you know contemporary churches my whole life and so to see a, a more reverent side of of uh, Jesus and and religion, and I know that sometimes that's we I don't know. In my head as a young modern Christian, sometimes that can almost turn into the enemy, even though that's not the right words to use. But we're trying to break away from tradition and whatnot to be engulfed into tradition and whatnot, and like to step into it. It was a I can see why people grasp onto it and want to hang on to it, especially an older generation. That's yeah. what they know, you know. And there's, and there is a, a presence of God that is 
is uh, equivalent to that or that is a part of that. Um, but when I came back, they had me do worship, and I was the first person to do worship in that church. And like I said, it was the biggest church I've ever been a part of. There's probably at least 1,000 people, 500, I don't know. There is a big, big church. And um, to do worship in that church with a guitar and a drum and put together a little band yeah. and did worship was pretty um, cool. crazy. It was pretty, it was, I don't know, crazy, but just it was interesting, I guess, you know, to be a church that's hold on to, the, to that tradition for so long and then let go. Anyways, getting off track. Um, the Jesus movement seems really synonymous with the music that I think affects us today, like, greatly. Like, I don't know. After doing, looking and reading all about it, if this did not happen, which almost, it looks like it, it kind of, it almost had to happen, it seems like, <laughs> you know, just after reading it, like it was bound to happen. Um, I don't know if it, if the, the, because it was a move of God, I think it was larger scale than it was, it's just, but, or then I could think of it on myself, but um, it just, I just see so much product of what that was the movement, I see so much product just in the way we operate in our churches today. Even the denominations, Vineyard Calvary, major not, you know, major modern denominations that have modern worship and modern music and modern, you know, not everybody's in a suit and tie every week. And those are probably a makeup for the larger portion of what the Christian American church is today is a product of the Jesus movement. So, um, I think it was a really a revolution for the church. If you look, if you look back at it, what the church was beforehand and what the church is now, and if you had to pick one launching point, this is it. You know, this has to be it. And so it's very. I just, it has a lot more importance than I, I ever put on. You know, I ever looked at it on because when I grew up in the '80s. This had already happened, yeah. so everything I experienced was a product of this. I just didn't know it, you know. But this is all I knew, you know. The church is the way it happened today. Is all I knew. I grew up in that. I never saw it change, you know, because it was always the same. So. But music was one of the one of the key elements mm -hmm. of the movement. There was a couple other key elements of the movement. Uh, one of them was the emphasis on Jesus and on His Lordship. Yeah, uh, almost, one way. You know, there wasn't a lot of, yeah, one way. There wasn't a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit or God. It was really all about Jesus. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Uh, you know, there was a, that's why, hence, they were called Jesus Freaks. That's why it's called the Jesus Movement. There was a tremendous emphasis on Jesus until from the midst of that, as always happens, you know, sometimes when a truth is being birthed into the body of Christ, you know, at large, sometimes there's part of it that gets taken too far. And I remember there was a big controversy about the whole idea of Jesus only. And there were people that started teaching that there was no Holy Spirit, or there was no God, it was Jesus only, you know, because of that. So that was another element was that. Another element that I remember, which was really big, was the element of community. And I think a lot of it was because there were already a lot of hippies that were living in communes and stuff. It was part of that whole movement. Well, they just brought that right in. There, they, they, there was elements of that hippie culture that got brought into it. 
and one of them was was community and uh, because of that there were like Jesus People USA and there were some you know there were all over the United States there were popping up these little communes where people would come and, and live and where we were at in Tucson there was it was called Maranatha House which was kind of a home and they bought a little property and it was kind of a little commune as well on a smaller scale but so those are two other elements that I, that I really remember from back then besides the music was the emphasis on Jesus and the emphasis on community and communal living. I know that my parents lived in England in a Christian community for a while. It was it was ostensibly a, a Bible college, but it was but it was run as a commune, yeah. where they almost kibbutz style. Yeah. They would yeah. work and learn and uh, together yeah. at the same time. That's interesting. Uh, to note that. Yeah, I have a question. You said there was an emphasis on Jesus, and I'm just curious, because I know there was also an emphasis on the signs and wonders and miracles and salvations as well, it being a part of it. But given the primary emphasis on Jesus, how was the Holy Spirit involved in that? Uh, but because how I would look at it now is that while Jesus is Lord, it's through his Spirit that those things take place. He's The Spirit is like the power that that allows those things to happen. So I'm just curious, almost from a theological point of view, because yeah. I, I know that Jesus was the emphasis. How, yeah. So what, just out of curiosity, how are those things explained in light of that? Well, there was, uh, you know, after you did accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, <clears throat> there were a couple topics that always came up in Bible studies. One of them was that Jesus was coming back soon, like now. And <clears throat> there was this author named Hal Lindsey, they wrote this book called The Late, Late Great, Great Planet, Planet Earth. Earth. And from that spawned all kinds of evil. <laughs> you know, but it was, it was kind of used. Another, another thing that was happening too was this whole full gospel, they call it back there. There was this group of men called the full gospel businessmen who were meeting in cities. And it was kind of like one of those rotary clubs. But guys were getting together and they were really praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And people were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, there was kind of a movement in the Catholic community where uh, the Catholics seeking a fuller and deeper walk with God were just getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, there were denominations. Uh, one of the uh, men that was close to our movement, his name is Jim Bruner, was a Methodist minister and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and had to leave his denomination because they did not believe in that. So there was also a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit during that time. And so they were also really fervent about praying, you know, for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But even when they were baptizing people, it was in the name of Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so that's they, they build it as just receiving more of Jesus into your life. So even though, you know, they didn't make an emphasis on it, the Holy Spirit, it was an infilling of the Holy Spirit, you know, to accept more of Jesus. Right. The signs and wonders and miracles, all that started happening a whole lot more because of John Wimber. John Wimber was right. the one that started teaching those, you know, school of the Holy Spirits and signs and wonders and miracles and, you know. Which, and demonstrated yeah, it in and his ministry. <laughs> of it. But even before then, I mean, I mean, we believed in praying for healing for people, and, and we would have people come through who did that, who did healing services and stuff. And, you know, all of us hippies, we would kind of look at it, and, you know, and they would practice it. They, like one of the things they did was the whole leg growing longer, and you'd sit somebody on a chair, and then you'd put their legs out, you know, and then you'd... Uh, 
yeah, everybody be praying and you know maybe one guy would like be pulling the guy's leg a little bit look it's growing you know there was some crazy stuff going on but just because <laughs> they saw some evangelists coming through there were all the the other thing that there were, i remember there were all these evangelists they called them evangelists back then but they were all these like crazy weird wild not always wild but just deeply spiritual prophetic prophesying wild crazy some of them and others quiet and demure but they were traveling around in uh uh motorhomes and stuff and they were just going from church to church they were just finding out where the holy spirit was moving and then they would go and they would come in and uh, you know most of the time these guys were great orators or they had oratory gifts or they had a bit of the ability to just you know really teach or really preach uh, and they were coming through, and that was another thing that was happening. There, you almost saw a little bit more of that whole fivefold ministry happening, because a lot of it was traveling, a lot of it was mobile, you know. And keep again, keep in mind there was no internet then. You know, there was no way to connect the dots with all this stuff except for going to meetings. And at those meetings, that's when you learned about what was going on. Or fact check. Yeah. And that's interesting because that sort of thing has been going on in the United States for quite a long time. There's a strong tradition, you know, of the big tent revival style meetings of the itinerant ministers and the, the traveling preachers. It wasn't new to the Jesus movement. But my thought is that's not really happening right now, is yeah. it? That's like that was, a, that, was a, that was something that has been very characteristic of Christianity, especially in the United States in the past hundred years yeah. and it's not happening right now yeah yeah i remember tents were big <clears throat> i remember bands that would travel like the people from cornerstone the people from jesus people usa they had a band called the res band the resurrection band and then they had a bunch of other bands but they were kind of the famous one they would travel you know and they'd, they'd have an entourage of like a hundred people they would go from city to city and they had put up a big white tent and then they had sent all their people out into the parks and where people were smoking pot and you know you know it was outdoor culture <laughs> they would go to where the people were and invite them to these meetings and stuff you know that was a big part of it calvary chapel in california they didn't even have a building for a long time they met in a tent for years you know tents hmm. were big tents were big yeah, yeah. and they were, big. they were big well now we even wonder don't don't you i do i, need, I even wonder if that's that style of ministry is has a, is still effective because yeah. my suspicion is it's it's not, yeah. but maybe it's because the culture has changed. Like you just said, that was an outdoor culture, yeah. and that's what people did. They lived outdoors. They went to concerts. They showed up for things because you had fewer entertainment choices, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it was very much part of society. I mean, it was just that it was that perfect storm that confluence of events that came together at the perfect time with culture, with society, with the way people were, with the way, how people rolled, you know, it just, it all happened at the perfect time. I, I think that, I think it was a genuine movement of God in the United States that I don't know if we've seen one like it since because of the scope and the depth that it, that it traveled. If we, I think that if we see revival again in the future, I think it'll look different than that. I think it'll have the same breadth. I think it'll have the same scope. I think it'll have the same power and influence, 
but I think it'll look different. I think we would make a mistake if we tried to say, well, let's get some rock bands together and buy a tent. Yeah. You know? Yeah, or let's try yeah, reviving all those old techniques and styles. Oh, I agree with you, and I agree with you. I think we're looking for, for something new that connects with our culture and where people are at yeah. right now. So the internet's going to have to play a part in it yeah. somehow, yeah. or at least it's a cell phone. Screens. Yeah, a screen of some kind. And yeah, a screen of some kind. An interface. <laughs> There, um, there's not crusades anymore. Remember, like Billy Graham crusades. And yeah. I'm sure there are them, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe I just remember them being a lot more effective. Greg Laurie's still out there doing yeah. uh, Harvest Crusades. Yeah, so Billy Graham's uh, organization is still doing stuff. Maybe not him they personally. Have the same effect on a city. I remember when like Billy Graham came to our city, people knew. Like it was all over the place. Mm-hmm. They would come in droves. It would affect the city greatly. I still think it goes on, but I don't think it impacts the city as much as it is. I would agree with that. I think there was a time when that you took your unsaved friend to something like that in order to get them saved, whereas I would say the majority of the things that take place now, the Christian concerts, the visiting speakers, the traveling speakers, they're more done for the edification and inspiration of a believer rather than... The healing crusade. More like a rally. More like yeah, more like a rally than a than a salvation call. But but also if you if you're aware, um, the whole concept of salvation is being challenged, or at least the concept that our primary goal as Christians is to get people saved is currently being challenged in the church as as perhaps something that has been overemphasized um, to the extent that other parts of our re- duty and responsibility have been undervalued. You know, what, what, what could it look like? You know, I mean, like, what would, it, what would be the user interface? You know, what would, be, what would it look and feel like? You know, like, just based on what we know already, the technology that's here and everything. And we know that God loved the world so much that he, he died for every person. And he's not going to be happy until every person's saved. And he wants to use us. He wants to use the existing church. And... We've talked quite a bit on this podcast about the just kind of tired of going through the motions and the same old, same old doesn't really get it anymore. What would a new Jesus movement in the United States, what, let's dream about that. What would it look like? I think it'd be, that's a hard question to answer because you'd have to imagine asking in the 1940s the congregation of the organ player and the piano player yeah. what yeah. they thought yeah. it would look like yeah and i don't think anybody never, in the room would yeah. even think yeah this is what it looked like but could they have even imagined it. a hippie at that point no. like but i bet you they were praying for it yeah you know i bet yeah. you they wanted yeah. it and they would they that was something they worked towards without even knowing it yeah. so i think it'll be something just similar where we may be working towards it and not even knowing it and maybe some little thing that we do gets legs and it blows yeah. up and yeah. the next thing you know it's a you know it ba- in, in a real it's almost like the Jesus movement was you know the version of like something going viral today yeah you know where it just something catches on yeah um, by the time it happens there'll just be a bunch of guys standing around trying to claim claim as their idea 
Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And that's what you're really looking for. You're looking for something that has a, a, a legs of its own. It's not something that has to be structured and prepared for in that sense. Like if we just are praying for it and we are looking for it, suddenly we'll see that it's happening and there'll be a growth that's almost underground and viral. Because that's how all these movements of God yeah. start. And it's only, it's only once they begin to, to tire that they become more formal and more structured in order to try and maintain um, the, yeah. the territory that has been won. Yeah. And then after time, of course, those structures become yeah. limitations on on people's thinking and on their, uh, their, they become traditions and, and then something has to shake it again. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll have some elements of things that we have and I think it'll have something old and something new. Yeah. You know I mean, it'll have some elements of the, some of the things we're doing something borrowed. In, a more, <laughs> something in a more mature expression, maybe a more mature expression of some of the things that are in place now that we're serious about and trying to learn to do better, you know? I had to, sorry. I just, and, and I think there'll be some things that are like, wow, genius. Why didn't I think New, of that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things are often that way where you're just like, oh, my gosh, that's yeah. so easy. Why didn't I think of the pet rock? Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, and it, and it takes people, not, and not just leaders. It takes people, uh, more, than, more importantly than leaders, I, I would guess, it takes people like the average congregation member, you know, Joe Christian out there. They, they're the ones that need to grasp a hold of something yeah. and run with it and go with it. And maybe it's at some point, you know, there'll be some great orator that says a word or a phrase that ignites people because it gives the average person something to, you know, to rally around as opposed to just knowledge. I don't know what the trigger will be. Or some app that comes out, you know, if it's <laughs> yeah, a, an app in a, this day and age, an some new app, app or, or yeah, yeah, or some so website or who knows Google, what it could be. Google Save. Yeah. If I had to guess, G Save. And just for the sake of guessing, I Jesus. I would think it would be something where I don't know a way of teaching that reaches the people outside the church. A way that people, way that they can be reached, because there's such a stereotype. And I think, personally, that people outside the church have such a strong wall against the church that if somebody can break through that, and you know, like a Rob Bell type that could break through to the other side and be able to teach the lost, quote unquote, or just the outside the church, that it could spark something revival, you know. Um, yeah. But it would have to be. Well, in many cases, it takes a lot of people like Rob Bell being successful at doing that in order to, to create a momentum that's larger than a single church, a single city, a single location. I must think it will <clears throat> be on a different level, whereas some things in the past, you know, were centered around, you know, a revival around a person. You know, Billy Graham, Amy Simple McPherson, you know, any of the any of the people that have come down the pipe, you know, through history, I almost think that it's gonna be like the waters cover the sea, you know, it's gonna be one of those things where it's almost gonna be more grassroots. Not that there won't be the brilliant 
think forward thinkers that are writing and blogging and speaking and podcasting and encouraging. But I almost think that the actual salvation thing isn't going to be like in stadiums. It's kind of like that's been done, you know, the right. great big stadium rocker that, you know, 10,000 people came to Christ and then, you know, but there was never any evidence of anything happening after that, you know. I think it'll be more grassroots level at the, you know, families and communities and neighborhoods and uh, I think it's going to be more like that. I don't know why, I just think that, you know. No, I agree with you. I've thought that for a while. It would be more more of something like a house church movement, if you were trying to put it in terms that we would be familiar with. But not necessarily that either, because that has been done. And, yeah. You know, and, the, and the new expression of whatever God does is going to be different than it has been before, because it'll be timely and relevant and speak to the current culture, not the culture 50 years ago. Yeah. But I just, I see it as being more organic and you know, being real, being authentic, uh, having people who really do love. You know, I do think that love is going to be the hallmark of the movement, you know, unconditional love, you know, <clears throat> not just in word, but in deed, you know, that they really will know that we're disciples of Jesus because of the love that we express and share and show and live, you know, not you know, not just in word, but in deed as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that that's going to be a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves Where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone Your presence, Lord
is what our hearts long for to be.